Good afternoon, church. I'm Connor Sweeney, and I'm from the Amazing Teen Ministry. And I am a sophomore at Palm Desert High School. Today, me and Cody are going to be talking about how Jesus is the king and how he is the perfect example in every situation and area of our life. Today, I'm going to be talking about how Jesus is the king of zeal. Turn over in your Bibles to John 2:13. And it says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? My first point is get into good trouble. Sometimes we get into bad trouble. Like when I snuck out of the house in the middle of the night to go fishing. But Jesus gets into good trouble. This passage demonstrates why Jesus is the king of zeal. Jesus is extraordinarily zealous because he got his security in God, not from people. He cared about the purity and quality of worship above all else. During my freshman year in football, I failed countless times to stick up for God when the older players degraded God and women and glorified drugs. I was scared of what they thought of me, so I didn't stand up. Maybe we don't feel bold at times, but Jesus can empower us. Many people of Jesus' time period that witnessed this event would have thought that the turning of the tables was a flash of anger. But in reality, it was a well-thought-out plan to make a very specific point. This is written in verse 15 when it says, He took the time to make a whip of cords. Jesus didn't hide in the shadows, but showed his zeal for God in his words and his actions. Being zealous for God can be scary. For me, I had to conquer my fear and stand up for God to my football coach in eighth grade. My coach told me that if I missed practice every Wednesday for church, I would not start or play football on his team. And I stood up and said, My salvation was more important to me than this game of football. I didn't know what would come, what had come over me, but I knew I had to take a stand. God gives us the words when we do what's right. Something commonly looked over in this famous passage is that the market was the only place where the Gentiles were allowed to worship. And being near the Passover, many had come from hundreds of miles to this place of worship. This showed Jesus' intense love for all people. I'm sure the Gentiles there felt loved and cared for for finally being stood up for. While the other Jews and temple leaders were probably astonished and shocked at his pure boldness, many of the Jews must have been thinking what he did was not loving or caring. And the disciples with him would have been forced to make a choice. Coming from a wedding where it is easy to stand by Jesus to this chaotic scene, they would have, had to, cho- they would have to choose to stand by him or act like he was a stranger. It would be tempting, at least for me, to be like, who's this crazy guy turning over tables? I don't know him. Would you be willing to turn over the tables in your life for Jesus? Whatever those tables are, whether they are pride, greed, or lust, or anything else. For me personally, when I was studying the Bible, I had to turn over the 
table of purity and keep my eyes and heart set on God. Later on, after being a disciple for a year, it was turning over the table of pride and asking my sister how I could be more humble and submissive to her. I'm going to ask you guys to be really humble for a minute, taking this from a young kid who's only been a disciple for a year. But I have observed many church members getting way too comfortable and not being zealous for God outside of church. On the other hand, there are a lot of great examples of zealous people in the church, such as Abraham Hernandez and Darren Yester. Who who really took the time to teach me the Bible and buy me food when I didn't want anything to do with God. (laughs) One brother I want to hold up for being zealous for God, especially at his work, is Cliff Weeks. It encourages me and the people around Cliff to be more zealous. Jesus' zeal inspired his disciples in the same way I was inspired by these three brothers. As we stand up for God, we inspire people around us to do greater things. Now turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 12:11. And it reads, "Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord." My second point is be fired up for God. In this passage, zeal is commonly translated as boiling or boiling water. This shows how we need to be boiling with fervor and zeal for God. I have witnessed that being fired up is really just a decision you have to make. And I have found that these people who are fired up are faithful and unimaginably grateful for the blessings God has put in their lives. Zeal is commonly misinterpreted as loud and obnoxious, but is really just an eagerness to know God and a love for the others around you. Zeal is also attractive to the lost, and both my parents can attest to this, because they were both converted by two incredibly zealous people. They went to church because of the zeal they saw in these people, and it was so different from what they had previously seen and heard around them. Jesus started the ministry zealous and ended it in the same way. This is why he can be called the king of zeal. God would have not included Romans 12:11 into the Bible if this zeal was not obtainable. So let's all make the decision today to be fired up all the time. Thank you for listening, and here's Cody Shefferstein. Hello and good afternoon, church. I'm Cody Shefferstein. I am part of, now I'm part of the campus ministry, and... And I have been a disciple for more than a year. I would like to say a great job to Connor. Um, Jesus being our king of zeal is paramount to our faith. And as for me, after receiving the prompt for today's service, I thought of many aspects of Jesus um, to be king of. But I decided to choose discipline. Discipline is a, char- is a key characteristic in our faith and as a walk, as our, in our walk as Christians. Um, of course, there are many ways to define discipline many ways um but in this case i believe what it means is to choose what is best over what i would want in the moment um example of these could be studying say i'm studying for an important test instead of going on netflix or cleaning the house instead of um playing on my computer or 
helping my parents instead of just goofing off. Um, but especially the most important thing is spending time with God before anything else. Um, and of course, while there are many verses in the Bible that look at discipline in this way, um, what we'll be look, reading today is in Matthew six twenty-five through 34. So please turn your Bibles. Um, In verse 25, it reads, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow will be thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Um, I have one point for us today, and that is first things first. Um, Now that Jesus... In this situation, now that Jesus is calling out to the crowd, worrying about everyday things like food, clothing, or shelter, some of the people in the crowd um, that he was preaching to would legitimately have a good reason to be struggling with this um, about their next meal or where they're going to be living. But Jesus told them not to worry about that stuff. We live in a, of course, it's hard for us as people in the first gen, in first world America for us to relate to this because to these kinds of things. Actually, to be honest, it's kind of embarrassing what stuff that we get worried about compared to what they faced in Jesus' time. Um, such as we worry about what our peers look at us and how they, how they treat us and what they think of us. Um, we also worry about what goes on in the news and, you know, for even some other things we tend to worry about. We can really worry about our favorite characters in our favorite TV shows or movies, Dying, for all I know. (laughs) But stuff that really pales in comparison to what they faced in Jesus' time. Um, But instead of focusing on the things that we try to worry, that we tend to worry about, Jesus wants us to set our priorities straight and put what is most important in front of us rather than the things that that will always be there. In Matthew 6, Jesus is calling us out to put him first in front of everything else. And he says if we do this, he will provide for us um, and what we need. And think about that. How, how better will our lives look if we turn ourselves to Jesus? Like what states in verses 32 through 33. Um, for the pagans run after these things. 
and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If we turn ourselves to Jesus, he will provide for us um, all the minor stuff that um, we worry, all the minor stuff that we face and worry about will be taken care of. Not only do we have to look at the passage in this way, of course, um, we also have to set priorities straight, our priorities in our everyday life. We have to set them correctly. Um, what happened, but of course, what happens if we aren't disciplined in what do we do in our day-to-day lives? Um, we tend to pursue what we feel and we want at right at the moment rather than um, focusing on what the bigger picture is. And it's the same thing with Jesus. He wants us to, he wants us to make sure that he is our top priority. Um, but of course, the thing is, though, life can be frustrating. It's easy to get impatient, um, and everything can feel like a burden to us. And But trust me, I know these feelings. Letting Jesus be the king of my discipline is difficult. When I am at school, I know I need to focus on God, but this homework assignment is really important. Or um, I say, you know, to wake up late, but oh no, I... I wake up late on a school day, but oh no, I have no time to study or read in my Bible. Um, and because of these things, and because of these things, it can be a real struggle to get through the day and one. And I tend to, instead of acting on what God and what Jesus wants me to do, I can just want to do what I want, how I feel at the moment. And just getting through that kind of stuff and just getting through the day, I tend to feel ashamed of myself that. My day would have not only would have been felt better, but it would have been better for people around me if I were to re- read my Bible in the morning. But um, for me, this year was a really busy year. With um, on my ro- on the road to getting my third degree, my third degree black belt, um, working through my AP calculus tests, my AP calculus class, and the process of finishing Eagle Scout project. Because of this work I put myself through, I realized that I needed Jesus to lead me in my discipline and guide me through my busy life. And because I probably wouldn't, because I probably wouldn't have been able to get, it, get through it without him. Um, but now, now that I could say I do have my third, degree, my third degree black belts, I was able to pass my AP, calculus, my AP calculus class with an A. And for... And for many of you, you were able to join me in celebrating my Eagle Scout, get, achieving Eagle, the rank of Eagle um, at my Eagle Scout Court of Honor. Yeah. But putting Jesus in front of, the, of all these goals is what I got, what got me there. Um, it is what made me. It was It what. It's what made me appreciate all the discipline and hard work to achieve everything, and that's what. Yeah. <laughs> but facing these indecisions and mixed up priorities is hard because of that difficulty. Jesus calls us to focus on what is important, not just what we want to do at the moment. We all know what it can ha- what it can happen in our lives if we aren't disciplined. But what would happen if we were to, if we made Jesus king of our discipline and our priorities? In the right and putting our priorities in the right place. How would we feel about our lives, and what would we choose to do that is best for us over what we feel? <laughs> um, with that, I hope 
for all of us, we can continue to make Jesus king of our discipline, not just a contributor who is there when we need him or if we're struggling. We need to make him make sure he's our, the leader of our lives and in our discipline. Whether it be, but of course, whether it be discipline or zeal, Jesus calls us to focus on him because no matter what we go through as Christians, we need, to, we need Jesus to be king of our lives. Um, thank you for letting me speak, and let us end with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father God, thank you, God, so much for today. Thank you for the teens that were able to lead and service today. It's a once-in-a-lifetime offer. I thank God for that. And just watch over all of us that we may make you king of our zeal, make you king of our discipline, and let us just continue to work hard for that, Lord. I thank you for all you have done for us. In Jesus' holy name, amen.